What's going on, gangsters? Welcome to the Basu Podcast, episode 104. Just got done recording an episode with a really good friend of mine, Jonathan Clayden, who actually, I've known Johnny for years. Johnny used to be my jiu-jitsu coach back when I used to do a little bit of MMA. And funnily enough, Johnny was the person that sent M down to the gym where I used to work when I first met M. So you can kind of like everything that you're listening to and you have training-wise uh, today is thanks to Johnny pretty much because without no Johnny there would have been no Craig and M there'd be no base three um, Johnny is an Ido Portal mentee Johnny's been working under Ido Portal for many years now Johnny got into Ido Portal and the movement method and their movement kind of training a couple years ago when he, he saw some videos online and did a course he goes into much more detail about how he got started and how he found it and his journey to where he is now. And it was such an interesting conversation to hear someone talk about a different movement practice to something that you're probably not that familiar with and something that I'm not very familiar with and just understanding different training philosophies and the reasons why people do things a certain way. Johnny's a really, really great guy, super genuine and really interesting to speak to. This episode went in deep on the Ido Portal training methods and how they use a lot of uh, emotional triggers to try and get better connection to what they're doing with their movement practice, trying to be more focused and more present with their training. And it was just a really interesting conversation to have with a really great dude. I hope you guys enjoy the show and have an amazing week and we'll speak to you soon. Enjoy. Sweet. What's up, team? This is Basically Podcast episode 104. I'm with a very good friend of mine, Johnny Clayton. I've known Johnny for years, literally years. And interesting fact is Johnny Clayton introduced, well, kind of set me and M up. Do you remember that? Long time ago. Way back. Johnny, how are you doing? Good. We Thanks just had a nice me. catch up off air, so we don't actually have to do the, the formalities. But uh, for people who don't know Johnny Clayton, why don't you give us the, the quick intro give us a, a little bit of a, a rundown as to who you are what you do and what you're doing here yeah uh, thanks for the small intro um, I grew up in Dubai uh, I've been here for over 30 years um, grew up having born here no not born here okay. born in Bahrain okay then moved here um, when I was pretty young had a pretty active lifestyle uh, back when I grew up here like the which school did you go to uh, Jess oh mm. that's Cambridge oh yeah yeah there wasn't a lot to do back Mm-mm. then. <laughs> so I ended up like, you know, like everybody else, like outside playing a lot, active, uh, did a lot of after school sports. Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, left here, went to university. Uh, the plan for university was to go into sports science. And then th- six months before I went, tore an ACL. Oh. Changed to a business degree. Okay. Uh, did a business degree, came back, got a job in uh, finance, banking. Wow. I was a banker wanker for a I couple of years. That. that didn't work out. Ended up in recruitment. Hated that. So in recruitment, behind the scenes, uh, I was doing my PT uh, course. Uh, and uh, as soon as I finished my PT course and got my qualification, I pretty much, I literally resigned the next day. Cool. Uh, and yeah, probably not the smartest thing because back then there wasn't any gyms around. There wasn't any no. CrossFit boxes. So I was like really struggling to get going. Because you're one of the OGs, right? You've been around for a while. Yeah, this was years ago when... uh, It was kind of around when uh, uh, Ziggy was running... uh, What was their company called? Um, Yeah, like... Yeah, the guys doing the boot camps and they were fairly new at the time. Ignite. Fitness O2. Yeah. B2B was the one with um, Shane Rutherford. That's the one I was working for. And Corey had an original fitness company. Original fitness company. So that was kind of like way back then, eh? Yeah, man. Um... Yeah, and then... Uh, and the only real place to train them was 24 Fitness. 24, yeah. yeah. And so it was a bit of a grueling start to mm. like PT because I was struggling to find clients and mm. didn't know anybody. There, was, there wasn't like a network on Facebook. I wasn't even on Facebook back then when I started. Yeah. So it was a real grind to get going. There was no such thing as digital advertising or... No, no Instagram, nothing, nothing. Uh, I, just re- I, ma- I remember I found one guy and I got a few leads from there and then it kind of took off. And uh, yeah, back then I was trained in mainly jiu-jitsu. Um, I'd done like weight training in the gym and then I tried CrossFit for six months, didn't really know what I was doing. Went into BJJ mm-hmm. and I remember getting smashed by some kid. I never felt like so shit and like I wanted to, I wanted to vomit straight away. Well, you used to beat the shit out of me when I even though I weighed 40 kilos <laughs> yeah. for you like every day. And I remember that one time we used to, 
um, role on rubber floors at uh, the burn yeah. room. And I've said this many times in the podcast, but I'm really grateful to you and Naka and Lee Ryan and Ziggy because you gave up your time for a whole year and chamber for free. And yeah. I remember one time I was fucking just like... Oh, fighting my ass off trying to like just pass anything you were on the floor watching someone else work out you weren't even paying any attention you were just there like kind of like watching someone else just like da, 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 like keep me under control and i remember that time i was like fuck this guy man he's like 60 kilos yeah. and he's manhandling me it was hilarious so, yeah that's what happened to me as well and it was like uh you know skill versus uh skill and technique versus uh strength and power right for sure so yeah i, I pretty much uh, stopped crossfit my short six month uh, experience with crossfit and went into bjj uh, I did that like really intensely for th- I think about three years yeah. and then uh, it was somewhere in there I was looking for some training bodyweight training and I came across uh, Ido Portal mm-hmm. uh, and I saw this video of him doing like one arm handstands one arm chin ups and I was like oh fuck like, that was the first time I'd seen anything like that so it blew my mind and back then when I was doing PT I was just going on regular workshops like everybody else was and I noticed when I eventually jumped on uh, Facebook that uh, Ido Portal was having a um, uh, there was a workshop in Singapore as a movement camp and so I decided to sign up and go for it um, thinking it was going to be like anything else that I've been to and um, I trained three months online before I went so I didn't really have much of a, a base of what was going on but I had at least a small understanding and then I turned up and this event was like nothing else that I'd been to like the sheer volume of work that we were doing like train I think we were pre- we were training back then like seven hours a day which I'd never done before seven days a week wow. Uh, and then on the breaks, there was people by the pool doing acrobatics, one-arm handstands, and then they were in the gym doing one-arm chin-ups. And I was like, man, what is going on here? <laughs> so um, I was kind of like in. I remember when you first found this stuff, I remember being, you stood in 20 Fitness, you were saying to me, just like, yeah, I'm going to train to do a one-arm pull-up and a one-arm handstand. And I was just like, sweet. And I was like, how long is that going to say? You're like four years. And you said it was such <laughs> conviction. I was like, whatever, there's no fucking way. And then about four years later, I remember you posting and finally doing like perfect one-arm chin-ups yeah. and one-arm pull-ups. Oh man, it was a long journey. Dude, impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, from there, I kind of jumped on to. I went on three internships in Thailand, which was like a small event where there was maybe like five to seven people there, and I got to be in close proximity to Ido and find out what was really going on and spend some time with him, asking questions, getting to understand the culture a little bit more. Um, yeah, and then after spending like so much time with him, I continued training online. And like at one point he was like, Johnny, you got to start a group. You got to start teaching the information that I'm sharing with you. So I was like, okay. So uh, nice. that kind of led to what I'm doing now, which is uh, running movement class. Amazing. Uh, and it's just movement practice. That's what it is. So you've like literally fully immersed yourself. You're like, you got a taste of it. Uh, when did you camp? And then we're like all in from there. I was all in. What was it? What was the like, what was the pull? Because I see it and some of the stuff I just see is like, how is that even possible? Like a couple of things and that uh, I see that. I'm like, is the football, the, the skills you do with the football, like the movement stuff and the strength that requirements to all the gymnastics stuff and just the ability to move the way you move. But things like the games and the, the keep you up your football stuff is, yeah. it's just like nothing else that's any other trained discipline at all. Yeah. What was it for you that was like the pull? And I'm sure it's evolved from what it was when, I'm sure it's continued to grow since you've been involved. But what was it for you at the start that was like, man, I want this? The initial pull was when I was in that um, that event in Singapore. Right. There was a lot of basic things introduced to us that from the outside, they looked like so simple. And then when you tried it, it was like, oh my God, like I was so far from being able to do it. So it kind of like enticed me to get a piece of the action. And then I started to research and I saw all these videos that Ido was posting and you know, all this stuff looked pretty straightforward and I was like, man, like, why can't I do it? I like, should to do this. Yeah, and, and so that was like, the fact that I couldn't do it made me want to do it. And then things kind of evolved from there, like um, uh, my interest in what we were doing back then is kind of different than what it is now. Like okay. now the thing that's pulling me in is education. Right. And the practice is also a big part about self-discovery. Cool. Like finding out a little bit more about yourself, researching uh, what you're physically capable of, what you're mentally capable of. And because we're touching on a huge array of like subjects from like dance, we're doing games from martial arts, we're playing with objects like you mentioned already, footballs and sticks and all sorts of things. They kind of bring about different emotional layers and people. So you're experiencing like emotions of joy, happiness when you're doing uh, coordination work 
you can be experiencing frustration. And right. then we can go into like tactical games where maybe there's like contact and then you receive uh, an emotional response of fear. So when you receive all those different emotions, that's where you start to discover some more things about yourself. Right. Maybe weaknesses, strengths, like opportunities. Uh, and those are the kind of things that pull me in. Um, and the other thing was like I watched a few videos and uh, when I initially started my training, uh, that we, we used to do a lot of strength work when I started and there was a day called SAS, which is straight arm strength work. Strong, huh? Doesn't really give you like a sensation, like, you, like it was fatiguing, but you didn't have a, like a kind of like a burning in the lungs or the muscles weren't kind of uh, fried, but it was, had its strange way of fatiguing you and I skipped doing that kind of stuff. And I remember sending my uh, videos to Ido to review and he wrote back to me and he's like, you know, this is shit. I've got the email still. He's like, this is shit. These are my standards. Uh, I'm going to refund you and we're going to go our separate ways. Oh, wow. And I was like, man, that was the first time I'd ever handed any money to somebody for a service and then had that kind of feedback. Crazy. And that lit a fire in me and I kind of like wanted to prove a point. So you were like avoiding the straight arm strength stuff because it wasn't that challenging. Or yeah. It wasn't maintaining to and I would go and do jujitsu. Okay. And now I know like... Everything that I shied away from were things that I didn't necessarily enjoy and they caught up with me eventually. Okay. And now I understand like, you know, the things that you don't enjoy are probably the things that you need to be You're doing. You're going to get the most development yeah. out of. And those are the things that are going to be like, you might not think at the time, at the, the experience that you had, you think, yeah, I don't do this stuff. It's not important to me. But someone who's got the eye to be able to like, yeah, he's been skipping his straight arm strength stuff. He's not up to that standard. Yeah. Man, that's cool. And then, so I guess at the time, um, well, and we were talking about this off air before, is you're kind of like that now. Is that, a dis is that an approach you have to people you work with now if they're not willing to put in the effort and, and kind of trust the process and follow the process? Are you as harsh as that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's people that come into the group for various reasons. Okay. And there are some people that came in and there were immediately people that I knew were not the right people for me to have in the group. Uh, and so, like, I didn't make too much of an effort to convert them. Okay. Because they were, they were just after something else completely different. They've seen the shiny thing online. They're like, yeah, I want to learn a cartwheel. Yeah. I want to do this. No, not even that. I had one guy come in and we were training. And he's like, so Johnny, he's like, how do I get the pump? And I was like, you're in the wrong place, man. Gym's <laughs> that way, bro. Yeah, exactly. And then there's like other people that come in and they want to do like some of the tricks or they want to they do the stuff with the balls or they want to do some of the strength work. So they're there for certain things. Yeah. And then once they're there, I start to try to convert them slowly and open their their mind to like other ideas and ways of training and viewing things and th also thinking about things as well That's really cool. uh, and so i've got a good group of people that i think are there for the right reasons i think that's we experience the same thing with CrossFit in here with people coming in like, oh, how do I get a muscle up? He's like, well, how good are your ring rows? I can't do a ring row yet. Well, let's start there and, and build on that. And I think something that you just said there is the emotional attachment to train. I don't, I'm sure it's present in a lot of like, people will come in here and like do really good air squats or hit a, a PR on the back squat and have the emotional stimulus. But I don't think it's as, you kind of not triggering people to look for that. So I think mm. that's really cool. How much, is it that, like, is it in your training you're aware of it for your own emotions or is it that's what you're trying to get the people you work with to understand as well? Both. Okay. Like, I'm aware of it for myself and then I share my own experiences with the people that I'm working with, that's my really students. Cool. Um, so, it's just one way of looking at, like, how we're practicing and um, how we're um, doing things in a certain way bringing awareness to what we're doing because some of the work that's happening like I can't necessarily like show somebody what they're searching for inside their bodies in terms sure. of connections yeah? yeah like there's certain things that you have to feel and you also learn from taking an impression from myself yeah so you have to be a hundred percent aware and mindful of a lot of the work that you're doing so that you get an internal sensation of whether things are being done correctly or not and you have a reference so I try to encourage them because one thing that I think a lot of people suffer from is lack of focus. Mm. Um, okay. And, you know, I think it's probably less in CrossFit, uh, but generally when people go to something like a circuit training class, they're coming from a full day in work and they want to switch off switch and just off get on with class. Minutes, yeah. yeah, but I remind them that when they come to this class, now they've got to switch on. Because yeah. for me, they've been switched off on autopilot in work all day. Sure. And now's the time to switch on. 
So to understand like, okay, we're playing with the ball and this is the game with the ball. I want them to make an assessment of, okay, what do I need to be able to do this task? Mm. How do I stand? How do I position myself distance wise from whatever it is we're playing, whether it's playing with a partner or playing with the, uh, just the ball itself? Where do I place my eyes? Um, uh, what kind of reaction systems do I need? Do my arms need to be relaxed, contracted? Wow, that's deep. Like, so I want them all to be thinking of these things when we go into every single task. Uh, and that only comes from like, being present as well. For sure. And I'm sure it's person to person, but like, what's the, are people pretty receptive to that? Are people, do people come up and realize that I can't just turn up here and exercise, this is more than that? Yeah, people, people realize it, but getting them to be focused 100% of the time is a long-term task as well okay. because people aren't just going to flick the switch and, and go from like being distracted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's understandable. And I went through it a lot with Ido as well. Like okay. he would call me out on, on, on daydreaming the whole time. And I'd be like, man, I wasn't daydreaming. <laughs> like all the time. Sometimes in an event in front of 170, 75 people, he'd be like, Hey Johnny, stop fucking daydreaming. And I'd be like, Oh shit. Like, you know, everyone would be looking at me and I was like, Oh my God. Uh, and now I tell my students as well, like, I'm so grateful that he did that because when I'm teaching, I can see who's daydreaming. Yeah. And then I was like, man, I used to be like that. And right. it's not until someone keeps bringing your attention back to it again and again and again, stop wow. daydreaming, stop daydreaming, focus, focus, focus. Then eventually they'll start to focus. Everyone knows how I want them to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm also pretty passionate when I'm teaching. So like, yeah. I can get fired up yeah. pretty fast and it's difficult to control the emotions, but I do my best, I'm calming down. But people appreciate that, I'm sure. I think there's definitely, if you let people get away with shit, people wouldn't respect the process as much. I think if there's people in your room, like you said, people um, on their phone, it just drops the whole environment. And I'm sure it wouldn't have as positive effect on the rest of the group if you let people yeah. get away with that, for sure. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not getting fired up for, for fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not for show. <laughs> it's not for show. <laughs> like it just happens. Um, but yeah, it's for like, you know, I think it, I would hope that it's for the benefit of everybody else in class. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely toned down, but I still, uh, still put my foot down all the time. You were mentioning uh, before we jumped on about um, uh, kind of was, I just took it as your coaching style, but being get, getting people to uh, focus and be present, and I can you kind of just touched on it there about turning up. Um, and the phones, the example is we have people in in the gym all the time, come in and I asked the guy the other day, it was in between sets, he was literally like sat on his phone, he had his credit card out in the middle of the session, like between sets and he was ordering what? something on his phone. I was just like, unless you're ordering your dinner because you've got to get your post-workout in, then you better have a really good excuse for that. But I'm like, like, how do you, is that just something that people come to expect or you expect of people in the group? Is it something that's a struggle for you or you just don't entertain it if people aren't in that position? To access something like the phone? Yeah, yeah just, like people are like, like you said, you give them time. It takes time to adjust to come and focus and get out of the state of daydreaming. But then, is there a is there a point where you're kind of like, yeah, like you're not getting it, dude? Uh, it depends on the task and it depends on the thing that they're not getting. So with the phone thing, like I've got a zero tolerance of the phone. Yeah, guys, and I hope you're listening to this. I've removed people from class yeah. from being on the phone. Yeah. I don't care if they just paid me. Yeah, like. I'll get rid of you the next day yeah. if you touch the phone. Yeah. Um, I think it's great for people to... Dis we have a two-hour class. And I think it's important for people to be able to disconnect from whatever's happening on their mm. phone, especially if it's work, you know, if it's work-related, because the work's always going to be there the next day. I think it's important to disconnect from work. Such a good message. Do, have you lost people to that? Like, not from you saying, I've, like, kicking people out, but of people being put off by that and be like, oh, no, it's too, like, I need to... No, the, I mean, there was one person that got, had to take a lot of work calls and it yeah. got to the point where I had to remove them from class. But uh, I just think it's important to disconnect from it, to disconnect from the social media to be, and to learn to be present because there's stuff happening that you're working with other people as well. Like, it's, a, it's also a partner-orientated environment where you're relying on information to be presented to you by a partner. So if you're not listening and you're daydreaming, you're thinking about work and you're not listening to the instructions that I've given you, you're not gonna be a good partner for the other person, which means they're not gonna get much out from you. Yeah, and it's their time, there. not just your time. Um, and it's also difficult 
when you're coming into our environment to learn how to be a good partner. Mm. So people are at all different levels in class and the most advanced people can still work with beginners and beginners can still work with the most advanced people and the beginners need to be able to know how to pull the most out of the advanced people and vice versa. That's a good so thing. like measuring like how hard can I push this person or how much feedback can I give them before it overwhelms them because they all, they're new and they have so much information to already take in. Uh, and if you're distracted by this, that and the other, you're not going to be of use. And it's already a hard role to fill, like being a good partner. Like it's something I talk about regularly, like in class. Yeah. Um, and so like, I don't want them to be distracted by other things. And then there's other times when people, uh, uh, for whatever reason, may be getting distracted because they're facing another challenge. Uh, um, maybe something like fear or, or they're struggling with something in class. Mm. And so they run from whatever they're struggling with and then they go off in a daydream. So it's always important to like try to pull them back. So it is the goal to always like, so your sessions outdoors mm -hmm. uh, for the majority of the time, even through summer, and they're two hours long. That in itself, regardless of the intensity or whatever you're doing, is going to be strenuous. Is the goal um, to facilitate the physical challenge as well as the mental challenge as well? 100%. So is there sessions that are more physically rigorous and sessions that are more emotionally rigorous? Yeah. And there's a balance between that. Yeah. Man, the programming for that must be really interesting. It's tough. Yeah. So we go on like, I kind of go on the year. But last year, I'll tell you about last year after, but usually I'd program in uh, quarters. Okay. And we'll go off like, I'll have main subjects that I'm running. So it could be a tactical game as a main subject. Which would be more like it could uh, mentally challenging versus physically or it, both okay because uh, both uh, and then alongside that there's always going to be some strength work some mobility and some hand balancing is there like a some basic like things to try yeah. to get on top of because those areas are very uh, linear in their progression whereas uh, like tactical games that are like more maybe like boxing orientated or something like that yeah. it's not easy to measure um, in terms of progress it's okay. not quite as linear so those are the types of things that we'll dive into those subjects for like a six week phase. And then after like six weeks, I'll start to slowly phase it out and I introduce a new project, which could be, uh, you know, the juggling with the football, the kickups with the football. Okay. Uh, and then we work on that project as a main thing, which eventually leads into like a game, like on the football. So we have a little table and you've got to have teams of two. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's difficult to, to program and Tactical work like boxing, for some people, it, it, they love it. Yeah. Some people, uh, I had one guy I didn't realize at the time, like three months, I think, before he came to class, he got attacked in, in, uh, on holiday and he got mugged. So it was like a huge emotional thing for him oh, wow. to be in a, in a tactical environment where yeah. we're like playing this game called shoulder touch, where it's kind of like the closest you can get to live boxing without hitting each other. Like okay. we're chapping shoulders because it's close to the face. Yeah. Like the one partner wants to touch the other person's shoulder. Yeah. They want to touch you and you don't want the contact. Okay. So it's kind of like a little boxing game without the actual physical contact we could have all the movement and apart from the contact the physical attributes of the sparring session yeah, yeah. all the footwork head movement yeah. the hand-eye coordination the distance management yeah. uh, the feints like pretending then to come in and not come in and setting traps and stuff like that uh yeah and then so for someone like that it was traumatic yeah I can imagine. you know and then um and then you can go on to like a, a coordination project and someone can have great coordination skills and resolve the coordination project easily yeah somebody else can feel stupid doing it yeah. which is also a good thing because then you have a lot to learn yes. but then the the feeling of that stupidity can spiral and cause frustration yeah and then you you like get get frozen yeah so the the emotional responses to different subjects will bring out like, you know, some people have had crying in class. Yeah, can, it sounds like it. And I think I didn't realize it was this, uh, I knew there's a huge mental aspect to it and it wasn't purely just a physical thing, but I didn't yeah. realize it was such a mentally challenging thing as well, that's awesome. Yeah. And I can't, so, I'm trying to think of anything that I know outside, of, the only thing I can think of is martial arts, where you'd have something so thoughtful while still being so physical. Yeah. It's very cool. I mean, it, and, and so, for example, like last night we had an extremely strenuous session. Like yeah. we did like, uh, we did 35 minutes straight of uh, this game shoulder touch. Okay. Uh, 
like two and a half minute rounds, 10 rounds outside, 30 second breaks. Um, and so that was really strenuous. And that was like just a section of the class and the, the whole class was hard. So today we'll have a slightly lighter session. Um, yeah, and I tried to balance like soft and hard. These are like different flavors that we're trying to touch as well in the practice. So some things that are soft, some things that are hard, some yeah. things that are emotionally like creating fear on purpose, some things that are creating joy. Uh, and also a big thing is play. Mm. Like for us, like play is a huge thing. So in the movement practice, like uh, you're always moving towards uh, dancing, okay. fighting. Yeah. Uh, and playing and also stillness as well but fighting at the very top because uh, like you know if you got into if you're playing with somebody or animals playing in the in nature if the play escalates to a certain level yeah it eventually escalates into a fight okay so everything that we're doing is is uh, directed into being better at those things yeah that makes sense so there's there's a huge element of play in there uh and you know this this game shoulder touch it's we're just playing around as well mm. and uh and with the football we're doing we're, we're playing games with the football we're even doing silly things like catch yeah but catching is also an important like throwing is an important yeah human trait for sure uh but people get so much joy out of just playing catch with a tennis ball <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy, just play catch, yeah. So, yeah, those kind of like different uh, intensities are happening through the class the whole time. Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, what happened last year? So you talk about last year a little bit. Oh, last year, last year was challenging because uh, COVID. COVID. Mm. And uh, to teach something. So we, we managed to sneak around for a long time. Mm. And uh, we were like outside for as long as we could be. And then we were in people's gardens for mm. as long as we could manage that. And then eventually I had to go into Zoom. Yeah. And uh, teaching movement classes on Zoom is like is a pretty hard thing because we're imagine. it's like three D. And like you're probably, regardless of the movement aspect, <clears throat> there's probably a lot of emotional distance because you're over a screen versus actually understanding what your in- interactions are. Yeah, yeah, man. You know? And people are moving off in all directions. Like it's, the, and then you tell someone not to do something, and then everyone's like, "Who me? Who me?" Yeah. And then they're off the screen, and you can't. Yeah. See and then like I was running into problems because by the end of the, towards the end of the uh, like summer months, like, or, or actually, sorry, summer was coming in. And then I was outside on the balcony because the dogs were inside and I couldn't do the zoom inside because they're going mental because we have this dog o'clock at six o'clock, the dogs will just go fucking nuts because <laughs> everybody's outside walking their dogs and the cats come out as well. So from six to eight or six to seven, the dogs go ballistic. And my class is from six to eight. So I was on the balcony and I'd close the dogs in and um, and then my my computer was starting to overheat, so that was becoming an issue. But eventually, we were able to go back out into the park. But what I had to do was drift away from what I would usually do with the program in terms of sticking on a project, okay. because there was like we weren't sure what was happening with the groups. Like the police were always around; mm-hmm. they never said anything. We weren't sure like how many people we could be outside, mm-hmm. and so I was avoiding partner work to begin with yeah. to create a distance between people. And then also just from people's emotional states. Like I just had to take things yeah, day by day. People want to be too, though, yeah. yeah, that and also like uh, just the whole like the whole situation was like new, not in a good way for people. And yeah. people are, are all of a sudden going from environments where they're in work in a high energy environment to being confined to the house all yeah. day, maybe with a partner or maybe stuck by themselves. And so the mental state I found of people was fragile. So I'd kind of assess what was, was happening and I'd make some changes and um, sometimes I'd try to make the class very light to begin with just to like brighten the mood and get people going and then get into the heavier work a little bit after. So also rather than keep someone on the same thing for a period of six weeks, I was changing things. I was sprinkling new, new uh, bits of material in here and there just okay. to keep things a little bit lighter and not to hold anybody to, to like make sure they complete a project because I also want people to complete projects that I set for them as well, which means I'm going to put the foot down and I've got expectations of them finishing things. Yeah, totally. And uh, and I didn't want to put that pressure on them as well, so I said, okay, we just will will forget like really working on projects for now because it lightens the the mood for myself and for them as a, as a result. Yeah, man, last year was a, a fun one. Yeah. We had, we had a very similar situation in here. It was trying to find a balance between um, 
being like respecting the rules as like an established business and there's all the regulations you have to adhere to but also letting the people making sure everyone felt safe when they came into mm. it so like the cleaning and the spacing and the sanitization all that stuff but then there was a bunch of people that kind of didn't give a fuck about it and just wanted to train hard so trying to create workouts for people within a two meter square box with limited equipment who want to smash themselves yeah. when you can <laughs> find a balance for that and that's just oh, kind of like, people we people were really patient with it and we really appreciate people kind of being like yeah this is this is the new normal for now and it just kind of evolved into we're almost back to normal now oh, um, that's good a little bit uh spaced out and showing equipment still limited and stuff like that but for the most part it's it's been interesting it's yeah. definitely been learning curve right yeah it's been a challenge for everybody hey so what's the i'm just a couple of questions which are gonna kind of tie back into one is what's the main aside from everything you just mentioned what's the kind of the almost like the ideal tool for someone or how is this an ideal tool for people who want to get into it so if this is who's this for like what's the takeaways from it what's the the benefits from it aside from obviously all the physical and emotional stuff you just spent the last 30 minutes telling us about um but i'm just trying to like i just who is your ideal audience like where's the application to everyday life i mean it's for it's for everybody yeah. and we always say like the only thing you need is a body yeah and that's it it's for everybody but it's whether you're for it is the other question and the reason sorry i'm I, it was a terribly asked question but i'm just trying to get my head around it because people think crossfit gyms are intimidating but i look at the stuff you guys are doing i'm like there's no fucking way even now i'm, I'm talking to like i'm gonna make myself come down and try this because it's just it's challenging itself but i look at the stuff you guys are doing I'm like there's no way i can do that stuff <laughs> i mean there's a starting point for everybody right of course you're right yeah um but yeah it can be an intimidating environment especially when like a good percentage of the female students in class can do more than the guys in class, mm. especially from a strength perspective, because mm. that can sometimes like hit yeah. the ego, right? Yeah, dude. Um, but yeah, it's it's for it's for everybody. Yeah. But the thing is, whether you're for it, and I do my best to try and see if like you know, if like a person can be converted over time through like me sprinkling in like bits of education continuously, like. Every week I have, I, you know, I chat about something like at the end of class, like theories, principles, concepts and that nice. type of thing to educate them a little bit more on what we're doing. But like the ultimate like thing is the body is capable of so many things, right? Outside of what's happening in a gym environment, like there's so much that can be explored. And if you're interested in like seeing the true potential of what you're truly capable of, then it's a great place to start. Yeah. Like... I remember looking at a bunch of videos thinking, I wish I could do all that stuff. Mm. And then three years later, I watched the same video and I was like, oh my God, like apart from like two things in that video, I can do almost everything there, right? Yeah. So then I was like, man, I don't wanna be the person wishing I could do that and looking at something else and wishing I could be that person. Yeah. Cause I realized like, if you want it bad enough, you'll, you'll get it all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, that's kind of the approach like if, if you want to do something like you can you can do it you just have to be there and turn up and do the work uh be open-minded um and not necessarily like get caught up on on doing the things you want to do okay. versus like taking uh well me taking charge and directing you in the direction that you need to be taken into yeah um i think as well as just having this conversation it's it's i'm guessing from what you've said is you used to be when you started it's just like yeah i'm gonna work on getting my one arm handstand push up and pull up and whereas now it's more about educating other people to to experience that is what is it for you now like what is your obviously you're showing this with more and more people and trying to get yeah. people but for yourself what have you got are you is there still levels of movement and or is it more of an emotional thing for you no now? i'm still just scratching the surface like really? there's still so much to dig and get through um and for me, it's also important to, to keep digging and getting further and further because then I can, I can continue to share that stuff. Right. Because you've got to have a little bit of skin in the game and everything to be able to share it and know what you're talking yeah, about. And this, I mean, I practice, if I can, like six hours a day. What? So yesterday, I think I managed to do like seven hours of practice, right? I don't expect my students to do the same. So no, they'll never reach the same level that I'm at. So right from I, a volume point of view i remember when you were getting into this and one of the and this is one of the things i've um i've got so many great johnny stories this is one of the <laughs> most like respectful things i've ever or the thing that's made me respect i can't talk, talk shit today is this is one of the 
most respectful things I've ever heard a professional say. And you said, I'm getting rid of uh, half my PT clients so I have more time to train. And I was yeah. just like, huh? And then like at the time, and you said at the start, it was hard to build those uh, PT clients. At the time, I was a freelance PT and I was like trying to build hours. I'm like, how, why is he getting rid of work? Yeah. What's wrong? And then look at you now. Is you've just... I still do that. Seven hours a day. I was with somebody and I have somebody that wanted to come and train private with me, privately with me on, over the weekend. And I was like, ah, it's my best days for practice. I don't, yeah. know, I don't want to give up my time. And the guy's like, just go make the money. And I was yeah. like, I don't know if I can. Um, but yeah, I put, in, I put in like that much time a day and I love it. But it's different. Like we call it practice because also practicing. But like yesterday is an example with one of my students. We must have played like an hour and a half of table tennis. Which for me, like it's still, it does, it's all under one umbrella yep. because you're still using the same things you would use. And we also did some boxing, but you're using the same things that you would use in boxing. There's still footwork. Yep. You still have hand-eye coordination. Yep. You still have to have coordination in general. Yep. Um, yeah, those things are still happening. Distance management between you, the table, the ball, the net. Yeah. Those things are still there. So it's all on like us playing is also training as well so nothing yeah. is separate but yeah i wouldn't expect my students to reach the same level as me so the expectations of them are obviously different yeah but in order to be able to expose them to more and more of what we're doing i have to keep practicing myself and keep discovering and researching and exploring so that i can actually explain and share my experiences with them as well man you're all in i'm all in six hours a day this is my work from yesterday johnny just pulled out his work Dude, that's big. There's, so I have a theory, like, you can't hit 21, right? You know, it's 20.6. That's maxed out. I don't know if I've hit 21. Um, I, I started wearing this again because the last time I tried it, I was always in the red and yellow for the sleep because I wasn't sleeping so well. And then I started to sleep, so I thought, I'll get it back on. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if I hit 21. I think I could. I don't think you can. I challenge you. Really? To do it. We've done some pretty stupid stuff in here to try and get up to twenty-one. I'll I try on Thursday. The, I think I, the the highest I've ever done is twenty point seven, and we did like four. It was a like a throwdown in here, and it was four. They weren't even that long, but there were four longer workouts. Usually, a workout's like five to fifteen minutes, right? So there were four slightly longer workouts, and I think we capped at twenty-seven there. Um, and we did. We did a mile, we ran one mile every hour on the hour for 24 hours. Oh, and you didn't do it? Didn't get it. Oh, then maybe 20, there's no chance. 20.6. I think there's oh, like an algorithm thing it. where it limits itself. And, yeah. and there's other things as well is I'm guessing like some of your stuff, you said an, an hour and a half of table tennis is an extended amount of movement at a, a fairly av high average heart rate versus if you're doing something very intense for a short period of time, it would your heart rate would spike much higher, yeah. but it would come down and result in a much lower average heart rate. Yeah. So that's going to result in a quiet, because it measures aerobic stress, right? It's yeah. going to be a harder, a higher strain if you've got a higher aerobic stress. But yeah, 20.6. Yeah, 20 yeah it's, an, it's an intense I day. I think I'll beat it. Yeah. Yeah. If you do, send me, because I'm, I'm pretty sure my highest ever is 20. I'll 30. try again on Thursday, but now that you've said you did a mile run every, every uh, what was it? 24 hours, mile yeah. run every hour and hour. Um, That'll beat it. And we, I've, we've got guys that have done like, uh, four-hour bike rides in the morning and then come in and try to kill himself in the gym and still not made no? it. No? Yeah. I think you'd have to run non-stop. Even if... Uh, who was it? A guy in Abu Dhabi, one of the coaches at Vogue just ran for 24 hours, did 180k in 24 hours. But I don't think he wears a whoop. Uh -huh. I was going to say we could check his, but that wasn't... Uh, that Something wasn't to it. Google after. Um, coming back to your stuff, what is kind of like a timeline for someone getting into this like for you I mean when you said I'm going to spend four years working on this project what's kind of the lifeline of from someone joining to someone feeling very comfortable to becoming a novice a advanced a obviously everyone's different and there's obviously depends and then how many times a week will your guys train is it a daily thing yeah four sessions a week cool so from Sunday to Wednesday we have a class yeah and it's six to eight and then I left a Thursday night free because Pre-COVID, people would want to do something on a yeah. Thursday night. And then Friday, Saturday, if people wanted to do extra, I'd give them the programming cool. or I'd give them things that I think they need to work on. Cool. Um, but yeah, the other question, it depends on person to person, but what we're trying to achieve like with people is like a good general movability, which means like 
things that they're doing look they're doing things with a certain quality from the outside things look like they look light there's continuity in what they're doing they look fluid even if it's like boxing work it should still look light yeah. you know uh, and also the ability for people to go into something new mm. and pick it up relatively fast because of the base level like the coordination's there the movement's yeah. there and so they wouldn't necessarily have to spend so much time doing x y and right. y and z to, to get the skills to be able to play this or to do that uh, and yeah that kind of varies man from subject to subject um, and it's yeah it's, it's difficult to and I say. guess your markers are different because you could get someone who's very strong come in and get very good at like the strength stuff but take a while to pick up the movement stuff yeah because some people for example if something requires you to be expressive and people are shy yeah They've got to some. We've got to overcome that, and that could take time, yeah, right? That would be me. Uh, and then you've got people that have come in from like a CrossFit background, who are like already pretty strong already. Yeah. So it wouldn't take them so long to to progress and strength work. Um, and then you've got people that um, maybe did boxing or some kind of martial arts before. So when it's physical contact, they're not getting shut down as fast as other people would. Or they've got a better base of movement because they understand yeah. the boxing style. Okay. And then I've got like a, a new student, like over 40 years old, like didn't train at all, six months from zero, zero strength work from doing push-ups against the wall, like already doing chin-ups. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and like just really in, having a good time and enjoying everything. Amazing. Yeah. What, um, what's the kind of next thing for you? Like what's the, are you... Uh, have you got plans have you got more of the same now continue try to get through the next year i would like to if i could like start up another group uh but i'm always looking i'm always looking to try and pull people into this current group that i have and get it a little bit bigger because everybody that comes in has something different to offer the next person in with all the partnering and things like that yeah and uh you know and the people that come in they they become teachers whether they realize it or not because they're you're all helping each other in this environment um so yeah I, I want the community to get a little bigger mm. um i'd love to one day have my own space um that's on the horizon yeah but yeah we'll see what would that look like in terms of like so you if you picture mm. a typical crossfit gym it's got i'm guessing you need spaces to hang stuff whatever you just need like a nice big open space yeah, the closest thing would be a crossfit gym okay. right so a big open space but obviously no uh, no uh, cardio equipment so no ski ergs rowing machines that kind of thing but definitely like some basic squat racks so that people can can do some leg strength to the develop leg power um which will help them in other things to be that require explosivity Uh, and then a lot of bars from the ceiling for just general pulling strength from a linear perspective but also breakating Mm. uh and uh, more advanced like breakation work like laches and things like that yeah jump on those yeah um and then open space is the most important it's the most valuable thing for us is open space and the right floor okay yeah i was gonna say flooring but the thing is you're out used to out on concrete yeah yeah we're toughen them up (laughs) yeah what's the injury rate like uh is it a normal thing or do you i'm guessing people become very resilient because you're working through quite extreme ranges of the joints yeah i mean we're doing stuff to protect the joints as well and for some people that have come in from a yoga background, they're prone to injury because the joints are so loose. Right, yeah. So they require more strength work. And then there's people that come in that have come from a heavy strength background that require more mobility because they're going to get injured mm. and crack early because they're too tight. Yes. So we try to find a balance between what people need. Um, and then on top of that, like do a lot of like joint prep and from the wrists and the knees and things like that. And that will also develop from some of the work we're doing, like the locomotion where we're down close to the floor, like yeah. quadrupedaling. The wrists and the knees develop from that. Uh, and they, they, uh, the soft tissue in the joints also are a little bit metabolic, so they, they can adapt as well. Um, but uh, touch wood, no serious injuries. No, um, just niggles here and there and it's expected as well when people are practicing like just generally like more hours of the week the chances of picking up a small ache and pain like with everything right? yeah. yeah like because you're doing it more you expect to have a little bit more aches and pains but nothing major happened in, in, in class and uh, it's also something that I remind students of is to take responsibility I was just going to say someone said this to me the other day and it was he was laughing at me stood behind someone I'd literally 
gathered the group around and gave them like really simple instructions. We we're just doing like deep ball throws over the shoulder. I was like, guys, we know how to deadlift. We pick up the same ways we're deadlifting. We bring it to the knee, lap the ball, hug it to the chest, extend the hip, chuck it over the shoulder. Don't just grab it and throw it. And this first thing this guy does is grab it and throw it. And I was like, <laughs> and then- uh, There's always one. This guy, this guy comes over and he saw my reaction. He's just like, man, people always blame CrossFit for getting injured when it's their own fucking fault. They should take responsibility yeah. for their actions. And I was just like, you know what, man, you're right. Yeah. yeah, too fucking right. Like you're old enough to take responsibility for yourself and like realize when something's too much and you can't push anymore. Some people like to try and push and push. And there's like a couple of people that they always want to push, push, push. And they all end up like getting a small niggle here and there. Mm. But yeah, it's like, look, you, you know this is an issue. I've told you what to do outside of class. Take care of it. Totally. And are, and are people pretty good at that? Do you think? Because I feel like if you're creating an environment where you want people to focus and be more tuned in and be more present in what's happening in the training, they must be more tuned in to what Yeah. They're, they're more tuned in. I mean, I think there's still room for more. Okay. But people are definitely aware. And I tell them, like, just let me know. Like, raise the white flag if something's too much or I need to yeah. change something, give you an easier progression. Yeah. Like, I've got one girl who is, I think she's four months after an ACL reconstruction. Yesterday, she did the boxing work with us. Uh, the whole time and I, and I said to everybody like you know take care she's recovering from an injury mm. and I said you also take responsibility I told you like, no you don't have to do it she's like no oh, I want to play yeah. so I said okay just I keep reminding her as we're playing take care don't push too hard uh, and reminding the other people around her also not to push her too hard too so like but yeah really making sure that that person takes responsibility for themselves because at the end of the day, only you know how you really feel inside as well, right? For sure. And that's the I thing mean, is, even in here, is you like, oh, that person's definitely capable of lifting way more than what they're currently doing physically, but that might not feel good to that yeah. person, so you can't push boundaries. Yeah. I mean, I came, I came with some big injuries. Like, I don't have an ACL on my right knee. Yeah. Uh, and I tore that rugby, football, and pretty much in jiu-jitsu. But that was, like, when I started. Uh, and now, like... I'm doing more things than when I had an ACL. And my so you don't need an ACL? Don't need it. It's overrated. <laughs> but also, I don't have the knee pain. Like, when I first started, I couldn't sit in a squat, right. uh, like a flat-footed squat, without getting any pain in my knees, in both knees, even the one that had the ACL. So those things were just, like, totally out of the question. Yeah. And that's, like, a basic position for just resting, right? Yeah. Uh, and so all of those, like, kind of little aches and pains that I started with have all disappeared. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm much more mobile. Like, I don't get, like, general aches and pains anymore. And if I do get an ache or a pain, I kind of know what I need to do to kind of rehab myself. But I'll definitely go and see uh, Paul Miranda from time to time for a little you bit do. of a, a tune-up. Yeah, tune yeah. Um, yeah I, t I try to take care of that. Like, I'll get a massage from someone. I take an ice bath. And I try to do it regularly, even if I don't need it. Uh, just to try to like stay on top of my recovery. I was gonna say, if you're training six hours a day, what's your recovery and fueling protocols like? Are you do you know how many calories you, you track? How many calories nah. you're eating? You you must eat a shit ton of. I mean, I was really hours. hungry today, <laughs> which means I probably didn't eat enough yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I was fucking starving today. Is that uh, like are you just quite auto uh, automatic with it? You just know if you if you. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, because it's something you used to be quite dialed in with. I remember back in the day. You yeah. I don't know how much I consume calorie wise. Yeah. But okay. when you train, I don't care so much. No. As I would like track about it. the actual number. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I should track it and see. And I also tried the, the nutrition company that you use. Matter. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, just to get a gauge on like calories because yeah. I had no idea what I was eating and like just uh, yeah the t I only had like two meals from them and they were pretty substantial meals they were yeah. like 560 calories and yeah, then I was yeah, like yeah. oh I don't know if I eat that but <laughs> because I'm like uh, because I'm practicing throughout the day for so long I don't actually have also room to eat I was gonna say that's like if you're so if you're practicing that long and sleeping that long and coach people that long and yeah everything else, how you there's no time. there's no time so like I have breakfast lunch and dinner and a couple of snacks in between yeah. but a snack could be like um, a cappuccino okay but I try to steer towards more calorie dense type of things okay. so rather than have like a heavy lunch of like uh, something with rice or potatoes I generally take fruit and honey on top yeah so it's more calorie dense and I get my carbs in but it's just not gonna fill me up and send me to sleep what was it you had me in post train it was uh, sweet potato mashed with oh, bananas and honey yeah Cool. That's good, huh? Yeah, man. I remember that. And what about your recovery stuff? You said your ice bath. 
Try and yeah, I, I'll try an ice bath once a week. Um, I try to take a massage once a week. Okay. Um, at the moment, since the weather's been cool, I 100% get my feet in the sand and go for a jump in the sea every single day. Oh yeah. Without fail, and right. that just makes me feel good. Yeah. So, and sometimes if I, I mean, I rarely take a day off from yeah. training, and when I do take a day off, I'll still drive to the beach, jump in, and I'll drive home, even if it's 20 minutes. Yeah. But uh, I'm practicing uh, like seven days a week, and on my rest days, I'll still usually do like two, three hours of practice. But I'll change the intensity, like when you're saying yeah. about the intensity of it, like yeah. maybe one hour is like more game play orientated. So I'm not like hammering myself to death all the time. And like yesterday when you played an hour and a half of table tennis, when you're playing that and you're actually like, you're trying to play, are you just literally going and playing table tennis for fun, like keeping score, playing games? So you're actually trying to look at its movement practice? I, both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's both. It's like you, it's applying all of your movement skills and knowledge to that thing and yeah. being as good as, it, as you can be like I haven't played table tennis for years uh, and like you know I haven't had any lessons but I feel like I said to the guy we were playing with yesterday I said if you, people saw us from the outside we, we kind of look you like look we like know what we're doing, doing even though we don't yeah. and same with the boxing as well like maybe we look like we we feel like we look like we know what we're doing <laughs> maybe we're not but like it kind of feels like there's something there yeah. so yeah it's like it's, that's the thing about going into like having this this idea of movability is being able to go and play table tennis and right. enjoy it like at least play to a level where you can enjoy it yeah yeah like not like going and playing golf when if you suck in golf it's like the worst fucking thing isn't yeah. it like you can't hit the ball it's like the worst day ever so we went and played top golf in the last weekend oh yeah it was i was like not looking forward to going because i'm horrible at golf and it always just frustrates me and then you end up just like blasting out 20 of the same shot in a row so you actually get much better at it as it ah, goes nice on. And actually had a really good time, so... Yeah, I want to go down and check it. it out. I'd recommend it. I want to go down and check it out. Johnny, where can people go and find you? I Okay, firstly, Johnny's Instagram is amazing. I was saying to him before, is like his Instagram's actually very genuine and full of very actual nice stuff to read. It is good reading on there as well, but uh, some incredible videos of Johnny doing his stuff. So if you have no idea what the Ida Portal stuff is, start there and then go deeper once you've looked at Johnny. But if people want to get in touch, I know what they need to do. Uh, so my Instagram, yeah. Johnny Clayton thirteen, yeah. and I uh, have a, a website, movementpracticedxb.com. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Man. Otherwise, we're in Umsakim Park. Yeah, just playing every day. Just playing. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, brother. Cool. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure.